0: here yeah. yeah. Pro Fan Sports Podcast. Let's get it. Pro Fan. Tune into the program. Yeah. Every single week, get the dope, fam. Sean on the mic, Barry Fly too. You know Keep you updated, That's what we do. Yeah, Pro yeah. Fan. Tune into the program. Pro Fan. Tune into the program. Pro Fan. Hey. Tune into the program. Every, Every single week, get the dope, fam. Yo, yo! What it do, everybody? It's your boy John Altdorfer, fans' Sports podcast. Back at you with a special segment. Um, with my boys Vlad and Barry and uh, Jared Weiss, who is a writer covering the Boston Celtics and a host of the of the Grant and Taco Show and Daily Ding podcast at the Athletic. Um, he's covered the Celtics since 2011. He co-founded CLNS Media Network while in college before covering the team for SB Nation's and Celtics blogs USA Today. So this guy's been doing a lot. He's responsible for a lot of the Celtics content we actually discuss on this platform right here. So we're super appreciative and glad to have Jared Weiss in the building. How you doing, man? That's really
1: cool to say. I I didn't realize that, but I appreciate you guys. (laughs) Yeah, you know, we we (laughs) got to do a little
0: research, you know, before guys come on here. Well, I appreciate that. I'm excited to get talking with you. Yes, sir. Um, you said you were out in Cali right now. How's the weather
1: over there? Uh, it's really hot today. It's been, it's funny. It's been really hot up in like the Pacific Northwest and like the hundreds. While well, it's been pretty cool here in LA, but today it's scorching. So hopefully that'll pass pretty quickly.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's 97 here right now. So I think we're we're all melting, you know, as we're trying to this this Jeez. this uh, podcast man, over here, man.
2: Yep, start of another heat. Um, like, I, I've been here
0: for sure, man. And like I said, welcome to the Pro Fan Sports Podcast, man. And let's get right into it, man. Um, you're you're a writer for the Celtics and you cover a lot of things. Um, I believe I read your article on The Athletic about Ime Doka, you know, becoming the new uh, head coach of the Celtics. Uh, today, he actually came on and did a whole uh, press conference for the team. Um, you know, so let's talk about the Celtics a little bit. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Celtics right now, especially the new coach we got in-house?
1: They're in a really interesting spot, right? I mean, Ime Udoka came out on Monday and he talked about how he's ready to really kick their asses. That was the word he actually used. And how I thought the phrase he used that was most interesting was he said, I like to bring out the dog in people and we got a lot of young dogs on this team. And I, and I feel like that's the main focus of the self situation right now is that last year, They weren't playing with that dog mentality that they had the year before that made them so good, and they needed to find a coach that would really bring that back out of them. And Udoka just seems like the perfect guy for that. I mean, this is not – he was one of the guys that I think everybody had pretty high on early on as someone who's really known as somebody who – is both tough but also really empathetic. It can really connect with people. It really has that balance of traits that they were looking for for position this time around.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I didn't know too much about Eme at all um, until the coaching search started, right? Um, and it seemed like he got hired pretty quickly here. Um, and I did I did see the the press conference where he did say he's going to bring the dog out in the team. Do we have any dogs on the team other than uh, Marcus Smart? We'll find out, right? <laughs> That's,
1: you know, I mean, J- Jalen Brown is, is is definitely that guy when he wants to be sure. I think he's, you know, he's one of those guys that gets really feisty defensively, loves to put pressure on guys, force turnovers, attack the rim. He can be that guy. You know, Jason Tatum is he's he's more of a kind of like laid back and and, and patient to a degree, but he'll get in, he'll get right up in there and throw it down when he needs to. I mean, look at what he did in the playoffs where. He was getting to the line like 14 times a game. He was leading the league in free throw attempts per game early on in the playoffs. The dude has that dog in him. And then you look around, like uh, Grant Williams is a good example, someone who really loves to play with physicality. And I think the further he gets into his career, the more he'll be allowed to do it because he's not a rookie anymore. And I think that's going to make him a much better player as time goes on, as as well as him just kind of learning how to be physical without actually fouling um and like rob williams rob williams is another dude that loves diving mm-hmm. on the floor loves racing loves flying in for rebounds loves fucking uh, sorry fudging attacking <laughs> the no rim.
2: Uh oh so, no worries
1: man Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> right, So yeah, right. Do fucking like think, Do out, right? so That's right. Uh, and so yeah so like i, I think they you know there's just plenty of other guys for sure but like I, I think those guys are the guys that you definitely see as part of the future core and those are guys that I think like to be aggressive. But we'll see if Romeo Lankford and Aaron Neesmith and Peyton Pritchard. Peyton Pritchard is probably categorized as a dog, right? Yeah, I, mean, I was just going to say him. Peyton is a dog. Yeah. yeah, Yes,
2: yes. And that's John's boy right there. That's his guy. That's right. Yeah, he's yeah, like a won.
1: chihuahua-sized pit bull. Right? Yes, so, yes. Absolutely. Yeah, they, I think they got the people there. And, like, I never felt like the, the issue was that the roster needed to be blown up. I always felt it was just that the, the roster needed to be healthy, for one. I know a lot of people that probably follow my work or hate me or whatever uh, think that I've been trashing this team and all that because I think they suck. It's like, no, it's, it's, it was mostly that they just had horrible health lasts, but there definitely were a lot of things that weren't clicking. Between the coaching staff and the players, and the players just not being on the same page, stuff like that. So, like, there was there there's plenty there, but that's stuff that could be fixed pretty quickly, especially when you have a new coach. How much do you think his um, past experience working with
3: Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and um, Marcus Smart with Team USA um, had to do with him
1: um, choosing this Celtics? A lot. Well, I mean. I don't think maybe that did uh, at least give him a sense of, I know these guys and I know whether or not I can work with these guys, but I think it's more the other way around. It's really more about Tatum and Brown and smart choosing him. And that was I the see. big thing I was hearing right before he got hired. I had heard right before he got hired that he, uh, that he really had the blessing, especially from smart and Jalen who were really enthralled with him after working with them in TV USA. So I think you know those guys in Tatum as well, knowing that he's, like, it's, it's one thing to know that someone, like, played under Greg Popovich or coached under Greg Popovich, but you still don't really know what their coaching styles could be like. I mean, we've seen a lot of these guys that come from the Popovich tree kind of go about things fairly differently than how Popovich does, right? And that makes sense. You know, not everybody that learns from the ment- a mentor or from a boss acts like that person. Um, you know, I had a boss a couple bosses ago that uh, at a previous place that I worked that I frankly would never – do anything the way that they did it. So, you know, it's like you you, you don't know for sure what he's going to be like. But I think these guys have gotten enough experience under him and we've like he's he was not shy about who he is. He was not talking about how I'm gonna try to fit the mold, and he was not talking about how I'm gonna try to follow in Brad Stevens' footsteps. He even had that joke where he's like, "We ranked 27th in assists last year." Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, like, uh-huh. he's—it's he very clear. He's, and this is exactly what we thought this whole because this is what they tend to do. They want to find someone who they believe in their personality and their approach to how they conduct themselves, and instead of forcing that to them to conform. To who's already in place above them and how like how the team works, they want to empower that person that they believe in. I think I, I do believe that that's something that that's kind of a central tenet of how the organization works, and I, I think that's probably why they went with
0: absolutely, man. You know, um, so I heard a lot of. Um, Reports on Brad will probably bring somebody that, you know, is kind of like him, you know, um, shares the same kind of philosophies. Uh, and, and, you know, watching the press conference, it seems like that's where we're headed, but, you know, we got a guy with a little edge to him right there. Um, speaking of Brad, you know, he just made the transition from head coach to the president of basketball operations. He's made a couple moves, which I feel like the Celtics Nations is all about it. Uh, How do you think Brad Stevens is doing so far, you
1: know, in his new position? See, I mean, you know, just to go back to the first thing you were saying, I think Brad Stevens is the kind of person who is, I think, uh, open minded enough that he doesn't think I have to hire someone that has the exact same values or perspective or manner in which they want to operate as I do. I think he's the kind of person that recognizes I want to just bring in someone who I think is right for the situation and who I and who I believe that they believe in themselves and will do things the right way because I think I think may is a pretty different type of coach from everything that we're hearing. I mean, just the way that he talked in that opening presser. I mean, I'm sure a lot of that was kind of chore- or, you or know, planned out in how they want to do the messaging with PR. I mean, that's how things you know tend to work. Uh, but it doesn't mean it's inauthentic. It's just that they wanted to kind of more carefully craft their messaging and that's a lot, you know, Brad, I think presented a lot more humbleness and and I, I haven't gone back and watched his introductory press conference, but he made, doesn't, didn't sound like he's someone coming into the situation, thinking I want to learn from the Celtics organization and how to be myself. It was, I want to bring myself to the Celtics organization. And so I think that's maybe a different way that people were envisioning this kind of hire compared to what, you know, than what people were expecting from Brad originally. Um, And so to answer your second question, or it was your only question, um, I do think that bringing in Al Horford will be very productive for this team. He is the kind of player that they need in this moment. He is the player that will reestablish the defensive principles and defensive accountability and the excitement to play defense that seemed to be missing from the team last year. Again, as someone who watches every single game and breaks down all the film and stuff like that, I honestly couldn't tell you if their struggles last year were more because of lack of availability and roster turnover, that it was just players generally not really getting on the same page with the coaching and with each other. It's because like that's what it looked like, but it's pretty. It is pretty easy to write it off as availability and injury and stuff like that. And so Horford, I just think, is the kind of person that will get everyone on the same page throughout the roster to the point that it will smooth over a lot of those issues. And so from that perspective, he'll be really helpful. The big question is, how does the offense work with him at probably before a lot of the time next to Rob Williams compared to when they had four guards slash wings out there before when Kemba Walker was there? And you know, Kemba Walker, for all the struggles that he had last year, he was still really good. He still averaged about 20 points a game. Um, you know, he wasn't shooting like 20% from the field like Marcus Smart was a lot of the time. Like, he was still good. He just wasn't at the level that you, that you expect out of a max player and that, he, that we know he is when he's healthy. And so maybe this team is better off with someone who, honestly, I don't know if Al Horford is as impactful of an offensive player even when he's fully healthy right now compared to Keba Walker, who certainly isn't playing at 100%. I don't think he is quite as impactful, but he can be used in a very different way than Kemba can, where if Marcus Smart is going to be able to like stay composed and stay cautious in how he runs the point, because I think generally Smart tends to be kind of less wacky and out of control when he's point guard and he knows he has to be more responsible for the team's offense. Maybe Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown's growth as playmakers, assuming Jalen is good to go early in the year and the wrist thing isn't hobbling him, maybe the offense is better structured without Kemba Walker being point guard because they just don't need – that point guard anymore because everyone else has gotten better.
0: Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, I've heard a lot of things about making Marcus Smart the starting point guard and forward. Right um, in the in the conference press conference with Ime, he mentioned that uh, you know he'll he'll be talking to uh, Jason Tatum in Tokyo soon. Is is Ime coaching this summer? Is that so.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's still on that staff. That I think this is wow. Popovich's last. Uh, tournament before he's going to leave that post um i think is coach k taking over no that can't be right he's retiring i think he used to be the coach i can't remember who's taking over right now um but yeah uh, maybe ime will still stay on i mean now that ime is a head coach a lot of the time they bring in head coaches from around the sport but then the assistant coaches tend to be the assistants from the main coaches staff so maybe udoka will stick around okay maybe he'll end up being the next coach sometime down the road do you so, think that's beneficial? Beneficial for him to be on the Olympic team? Yeah. I mean, it got yeah, him. Yeah, to be the head of the Olympics? It certainly, helped, it certainly helped him get the Celtics shot I mean, Oh, obviously being the head of the program, obviously yeah. one of the biggest honors in coaching is extremely valuable. But just even being there, period, is really important because um, it gives you a chance to show other players, other top players around the league, this is what it could be like if you can't play for me in the NBA. So uh, assuming he's a good coach and he doesn't turn them off to him, yeah, that's really that is great advertising. It's a great audition.
3: Earlier, you guys were talking about him saying he he wants to bring the dogs out of some of the guys. He he was there before um, um, Kawhi Leonard became Ka- Kawhi Leonard. Do you think he's gonna be able to turn one of those guys, either Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum,
1: into a Kawhi caliber player? That's a great question. That's exactly what I asked. Well, it's essentially what I asked. I asked him, what did you learn from being around? Obviously, he played with Duncan and Manu and Parker um, and uh, and Boris Dia, most importantly. I don't know. I think he was coaching on the team with Boris Dia. Uh, But he coached Kawhi's. Kawhi made that ascension. He coached Joel Embiid last year when Embiid kind of, even though Mm -hmm. the team struggled, I feel like Embiid kind of turned that corner to being a superstar Mm -hmm. and obviously the serious MVP caliber player. Mm -hmm. Obviously, this year, He helped guide a team that was destroyed with injuries constantly throughout the year, and they were still unbelievable, and they probably still would have won the title if Harden hadn't gotten hurt. So he's got a lot of experience around these top tiers, and he's seen what it takes. And he also built a career on stopping guys, right? I mean, he was one of the main guys that guarded Kobe pretty well, or at least as well as he could guard Kobe um, and a lot of the other top players. So I think he's well-equipped to – try to help Tatum and Brown hit that next level that we know they can do. I mean, it's, for one, it's still pretty early in their careers, right? I mean, guys don't hit their prime until their seventh or eighth season. Usually Jalen's heading into year five, Tatum year four, right? Um, No, I think it's year year six and year five. Year six and year five. You're right. Yeah. They just finished those. Yeah. So, you know, so Jalen's getting, starting to approach that stage. He's, you know, he's still in his uh, mid his twenties. So he's got a little while to go, but so, uh, I mean, we see pretty clearly Tatum is on that Kawhi track. That's pretty obvious. I mean, the guy is the guy, I think he had more 50 point games than pretty much anyone else in the league by the time uh, this season actually ended. I mean, that's that's one thing. It's one thing to have a bunch of 30 point games and put up like big points for game numbers, but to be able to hit that 50 mark in these huge games where your season's on the line, to do that in the playing game, to do that in game three when he had to win that game or else the season was over. I mean, he has proven that he can step up and elevate himself to that highest of levels. Like Kawhi can, you know, maybe seven or eight other guys in the NBA can do. I know we always, people always talk about top five, but in reality, there's really, it's more like a top seven or eight. Generally, maybe you can try to differentiate those top tiers, but like, you know, maybe in the playoffs, three guys are like KD, Kawhi and LeBron. I feel like every year in the playoffs kind of separate themselves as they're going to, they're going to perform at historic levels every single time. And maybe not everybody else is guaranteed to do that. Tatum, could get to that level but we know at the very least he can get to that mvp tier i think it's pretty clear that he can get there if he keeps doing what he's doing now um and he may definitely will i think give him that edge i mean that's the thing that we've been waiting to see is he doesn't have to i know there was that ridiculous talk during the year about um him having to be louder and all that kind of stuff He doesn't have to be that but he needs to be more aggressive and we started to see him do that and i wrote a lot about that i talked to like the people that work with him about that stuff and put that in a few stories i mean that was the big thing was he in the NBA, you have to physically dominate your space and he's learning how to oh. do that. And the more he does that, the more he's going to get better. And eventually he'll be like Kawhi, you know, Kawhi was kind of like a more of a kind of like a quick athletic player who was really, who was like really, um, really determined early on. Now he's like this monster where guys just like bounce off of him constantly. Yeah. And Tatum is becoming that guy.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, I know we for, saw e love- talk
1: I look forward to seeing that I look ahead, forward to seeing that
3: those guys take that next step cuz I think that's really important in the next coming. Year. Absolutely. Right.
0: Um we saw Eme talk about the two pillars in in the organization that we got to work around which is uh Jalen Brown and um Jason Carson Tatum. Edwards. Um Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Straight <laughs> my waters, you know. <laughs> and when you think about, uh, you know, duos in the league, we see a lot of guys that play for each other and, you know, make each other better. Do we think Jalen Brown and um, Jason Tatum can get to, to be one of those tandems?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, Jalen's an all – they're both all-stars already, right? And they're pretty early in their right. career. So, yeah, but, I mean, they're pretty obviously going to – yeah, maybe they'll get to the Kawhi and PG. It's possible. That's you know, that's probably as high as it gets for you know, wing combos in the NBA. There's like LeBron and D-Wade together, but that's obviously extremely rare. But so, yeah, I mean, these guys should be – it's it's still clearly a potential championship core when you get the right pieces around it. I don't think there's any question about that. Um, it's more just a question of can they get the right pieces around it and can they hold this thing together long enough for them to de- develop those pieces.
2: Right, right. Yeah, and speaking of that, I wanted to ask you, Jared, um, like speaking of getting those pieces around those two pillars, Tatum and Brown, uh, what what's next for this team? We clearly see there's still a lot of, you know, holes on the roster, a lot of, you know, uh, things that need to be done in order to, you know, build it to be a, you know, contending team in the East uh, for, for the years to come. So w- where, does, where do you see the team going from here to build this roster, this offseason?
1: Yeah, so, you know, I think the first thing is actually focusing on how those two play together because you can't, you can't be operating in your I- silos. You can't be taking turns. Um, you need right. to be able to run actions to flow off other. And I wrote a story. I've been in L.A. covering, the, uh, just watching the Clipper games for a few weeks now. And what really stood out to me is how much better Kawhi and PGR are playing off of each other now. And one thing I think they do that's really cool is when they get into transition and they're running out the defense, is backpedaling, a lot of the time, whichever one of those players is ahead of the break, will start trying to get a mismatch and just try to seal him off into the paint and post him up, get really deep into the paint so they can just catch and then turn and shoot really easily. And they're really, really good about trying to hunt that out constantly. And I think that's a a more effective way for these two stars to play off of each other than the Celtics. A lot of the time it's, one guy's at one wing, the other guy's at the other wing. They run an action in one place then maybe kicks it out to the other guy, and then they pull off of that. And that's that's a pretty like standard structure, and the Clippers do plenty of that too. But it's got to be more complex than that. And so the, that's one of the main areas where they can really grow, and that's how they can really, really get better. But then you know, if you look at the roster right now as it's constructed, the roster's pretty fine. It's just like the question is how much better does it get when everyone's together? Um, you know, Evan Fournier, things couldn't have gone much worse for him, honestly, last season when he came to Boston. So that's the big question is, like, how much better is Fournier going to be when he's healthy, when he's had time to learn the defensive scheme, which seemed like it was a real issue. Um, so I think that's the first thing that right there, Rob Williams will probably be a lot better again, right? He made a huge jump last year presumably he'll make another noticeable jump this offseason assuming that his foot is okay which I assume it will be after some rest so there is there's plenty of growth to happen on this roster that's even before getting into all the first round draft picks in the last couple of years I mean Romeo Lankford and Aaron Eastman will probably turn into rotation players this year which they were a little bit but not its fun so you know this roster can definitely get a lot better just by staying in place I just think the the concern is that the ceiling is too low on this roster as it is, and they'll definitely want to try to take some big swings, both this offseason and the next offseason.
0: Well, like Damian Lillard, you think? Everybody's talking know. about. <laughs> <So,
2: laughs> Dame time, <laughs>
1: so, Everybody, Damian, Damian. They can get Dame. They had to give up Jalen Brown. Obviously, you can't trade for an MVP caliber player without giving up a young all-star. You're obviously not going to trade Jason Tatum. Like, why would you do that? Then you just become the Blazers. Yeah. Um, you know, right. so, so, and, you'd rather, right. and you'd rather have Jason Tatum. Than Lillard. Dan Miller is much, much further into his career, is owed insane money as yeah. he gets his 30s. Like, you know, you want, and Tatum's a two way play. So, yeah, I think Tatum can probably be as good as Dame in a couple of years, honestly, um, and which I don't think should be controversial. Like, he's, you know, he's been on that path. So, you can do that around Jalen. And you probably have to include a couple of those young guys and then probably even a couple draft picks. I mean, this is we're talking about an MVP caliber player in his prime right now. So, yeah. I mean, I think the biggest question – I just wrote about this like yesterday on The Athletic. The biggest question is, is Tatum ready for that? Because if you make that trade, you're trying to win the championship right now. You have to – like this – your best shot at winning the title is this upcoming year because Dame's already in his 30s. So things are going to start going downhill pretty soon. I mean, at least most of his game is basically just pull-up shooting. That's the majority of his game. So I don't think that, will, that won't go down as much as his finishing ability. So that's that's good at least. But um, I think Tatum probably is there. I don't know. if he, He's definitely not his peak, but probably just good enough at this point that you could win a title if things really break your way. Um, but if, even if they make that trade, they're so capped out right now. It's like, how do they retool – around Dame to make that happen assuming they deplete a lot of their depth. So, I mean what's good is when you make that kind of deal, uh, we saw with Brooklyn, a lot of good players want to come join you for cheap, so maybe that that is how it's going to work. But they would if yeah. they're making a trade for Dame, they probably have to trade in a lot of their you can go with bets and just try to go for it right now.
0: Absolutely. Um with the, right. with the season last year, uh it was not only the injuries, we saw a lot of covid, you know, positive covid tests and guys a lot i mean i think the celtics had you know the most guys missed time due to covid and um just in the last day or so i've been hearing a lot about the team not taking the covid stuff seriously
1: um can you shed any light on that is that you think there's any truth to that um so it's funny that came out because i was on with uh, chris mannix on in uh, boston and when he was saying that, I couldn't believe he was saying it because I've been I heard all the same stuff, and I didn't think other people knew about that. Um, so Thanks. I have heard it. I have not verified it, but I definitely heard it. I think I think a bunch of people around the league found out that Scott Brooks went to the NBA and said that the Celtics were out partying on South Beach Since. in Miami right before they played uh, Washington, and um, and wow. that the, he thinks that they. That they gave, uh, that the Celtics gave in COVID, um, and so I look. I mean, I looked into it. The timeline definitely could plausibly line up, but I think the main thing we learned from the COVID outbreak is that trying to pinpoint someone as the culprit for for, for uh, starting a spread is pretty much impossible to do so with one hundred percent veracity. So that's why that's I hadn't put it out. Um, <laughs> hey, but man, who doesn't I mean, have a job now? That's
0: why he doesn't. Have a job that's
2: true right right <laughs> so i couldn't really? get himself a new contract with the wizards No wonder why they you know wanted him out of there didn't even want to bother renegotiating the contract uh you know to keep him as the coach of the wizards and i'm sure bradley bill didn't want him there either i think bill liked them i know russ <laughs>
1: wanted him back that's for sure russ definitely wanted
2: him yeah back. that's russ's uh-huh. guy of course yeah, yeah
1: they- this guy yeah so, yeah, yeah. So, like, I, it's, I know about the, I know the accusation is accurate. Um, uh, the, 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 the accusation did happen by the Wizards, as far as I know. I just we don't know if it's true. It's an it's an accusation at this point. Um, yeah. But I, I yeah, I definitely agree from everything that I've heard. Not enough that I've heard that I would definitely like put it in a report, but just enough that I've heard that I, I think it's reasonable to speculate that it's true um, is that the Celtics, uh, the Celtics, I think, had a really robust protocol for managing COVID safety within the team activities and the team spaces and stuff like that. But then when they left the facility, it was kind of out of, out of their hands. Sorry, my earphones just fell out. Um, When they left the facility, the players were kind of, it was up to them to manage things themselves and they wanted to do it. And it sounds like they, you know, they weren't being as safe as they should about it, but it should be said that pretty much every team is going out when they're on the road. The, the big thing is generally how it works is teams throw parties, like the players will throw parties with like, you know, friends and girls or whatever, but they get testing done on site. So like they'll literally, they'll spend like a small fortune to hire a, like a, a, a doctor to run a PCR test at like the entrance basically where mm-hmm. they have the results done in 10 minutes. So you can know if it's safe or not. So like that's safe, right? I assume that's the safe yeah, way to do it. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And like now, now everyone's vaccinated. <laughs> sure so most guys are vaccinated, so like you don't really need to do that anymore. I'm sure, but obviously during the height of things, like that was important. But we just, you know, we should have known. Like these guys. Okay, so. You know, we we don't we don't save the four seasons. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I don't get to save the four seasons every time I hit the road. You know, I don't get a VIP booth in the club every single time. Only like half the time. Um, you know stuff. So, so it's like I do all um, the time. Man. Exactly. So, <laughs> you know, we're, okay, not, we're not dog. used to a certain. We're not used to a certain lifestyle. So the idea of losing that doesn't seem as crazy. But you get used to whatever your you know, normal, normal situation is really quickly. So if your normal situation is staying in five-star hotels and getting the VIP treatment everywhere you go and all that stuff, it's still difficult to deal with having to take that away, even if it is incredibly lavish. It's, you know, as much as you want to tell someone that like they should have self-awareness and appreciation and whatever, that kind of stuff. Sure. You can while still being really frustrated and upset and, and bored and kind of, you know, miserably bored all the time that you can't do what you're used to doing. And so I can see why these teams or these players, like to say, like wanted to try to get around it as much as possible. I get why they did it, even if it wasn't the right thing to do necessarily. And I think at least generally, teams around the league tried to make sure that their players were doing it in a safe manner.
0: Yeah, I mean, our our team is, is was pretty young. Our stars yep. are, you know, early 20s. And then you got... The one guy in Kemba who's older and I don't think he's going to tell these guys they, uh, you know, I don't think he's going to tell them not to go party or anything like that. He's, he's such a nice guy. right?
2: Yeah, um, and I even heard an yeah. interesting rumor about that, that uh, <laughs> I don't know if you can confirm this, but apparently uh, Kemba's house was the spot that, you know, the Celtics, you know, players would, you know, would, would go have fun and you know, it, it, and, 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 you know, and, and bring, uh, you know, s- some people over and, you know, and do their thing. I, I, That's what I've been hearing from my sources. I don't know if you can confirm that. There we got
0: sources. True
2: or or, or not, but that the word on the street as far as what, you know, people and, you know, and, and what I've been hearing is that that's what you know, the deal was was that Kimba's house was pretty much, you know, the spot for the players to go and have fun and a good time and, you know, and live it up and do their thing.
1: I mean, I heard that he hosted dinners. I haven't heard about him turning his house into a nightclub, so hell, maybe he did, but I know, like, what I was told <laughs> is a lot of the time it's just guys getting together and having dinner, and they're doing it in, like, back rooms oh, and okay. restaurants where they can do it safely, stuff like that, so I think that's what most of it was. I don't think it was them throwing ragers and sh- and stuff like that all the time. I think it was probably a little bit more reasonable than what you expect. Um, well, I'm, oh, oh
3: man, uh, do you have to go pretty soon, Jared? Uh, sure, but let's keep rolling. Okay, um, right, cool. I good. I might be the only crazy NBA <laughs> Celtics fan asking this question, and I'm sure a lot of people are gonna be like, "Why?" But w- what what's what is the value of trading for um, Ben Simmons?
1: Uh... Good question. I mean so the thing is, especially on this team Because
3: I, I think I think his value might be a little lower right now. Sorry to cut you off.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah, it's it's a lot lower <laughs> right now. <It's,
2: laughs> uh, <little laughs> an understatement
3: understatement
1: yeah. of the year. But it's still high. Like he's still a young All Exactly. Yeah. So I, I think really? it's that Ben Simmons Ben Simmons. Even right improving. now at
2: this moment? As yeah, bad not, as he
1: was in the playoffs? Well, like, as bad as he was, he was still good. Um, and he, he's on the wrong team. Like, it's obvious. He just he needs to be in a different yeah. situation. Yeah, like he can't and, put him on he, the Warriors, it's a problem. And the Warriors are probably going to trade for it, to be real. They're probably going to send... Put him there. It's going to be a <laughs> yeah. problem. So Who they're going to okay. send
2: Who they're going to give
1: up? Well, so they can't send Philly James Wiseman, so they have to find a third team. But they can find a way to make that work, I'm sure. They got the seventh pick. Seventh pick's super valuable. I bet they could find yeah, a three-way deal where they send Wiseman in the pick to another team. Other teams sends up, like maybe Washington, maybe Washington will, you know, maybe Brad Beal decides it's time. it goes there. Maybe Portland will send CJ McCollum, probably not CJ McCollum. I don't think it's values so high, but maybe Dane, maybe that's how Dane gets moved. Uh, maybe Dane goes to Philly. The uh, Simmons goes to Golden State and then all that stuff Um goes to Portland and then like Philly sends some other stuff to Portland. Maybe that's how it gets done. I'm just, I've just come up with that at the top of my head not reporting that. But so, um, I'm sure there's some more realistic, Yeah, that seems a little crazy, maybe some real, more realistic stuff. Basically, for Boston, Ben Simmons is a center. So, Ben Simmons has to be a big man. Maybe you can play with the four. But, You can't, he has to be the only non-shooter on the floor. So if you wanted to do a deal where you include Rob, obviously you would trade Rob Williams in that deal because Rob Williams wouldn't really, he'd be a backup center for you at that point. But I think Simmons makes sense on the team where he's the only non-shooter on the floor and you're basically using him as a big man rolling to the hoop and stuff like that. So there's no longer this issue of him driving from the perimeter and the team sagging off of him, use him in the pick and roll, so that the team has to defend the ball and he can roll in behind the defense and then he could be an incredible role, man. Um, So I I think that's probably the future for him. uh, If he goes to a team like this or he just goes to like Houston and they just blow everything up and they just build around like him and Christian Wood and Jay Sean Tate or whatever else. You know, I, I think those are probably the most plausible things, but it seems like Simmons probably needs to be somewhere where everything can be built around him the way it is in, like, Milwaukee with Giannis. That's
2: a good point. Good take. Good take. I yeah, had heard true. you, Jed. Um, you and Chris Menix talked um, a little bit about, um, you know, C.J. McCollum uh, and his, you know, chances of possibly, you know, getting traded this this offseason and, you know, Boston being one of uh, the teams, you know, being traded for, that could trade for him. Um uh, would I think, honestly, that would be more suitable for the Celtics than, you know, Damian Lillard, because if they have to trade for Damian Lillard, they'd pretty much have to give up the farm, like you said, and give up a good chunk of their roster in order to do that. Uh, so do you see C.J. McCollum getting traded um, to, and besides Bus and what other um, teams would you, you know, could you see him, you know, making a move for, for C.J.? Uh,
1: the Knicks, for sure. Um... I think they, they definitely could use a player like him, and he's from New York, and definitely would love to be back in New York for sure. Um, I think it's, I think his it's fiance or wife I can't remember if they're married yet. I think she lives or works there. Um, so I can't remember if he's from New York. Or he just like likes to live in New York in the off season, one of those two. But so I'm sure he would love to be in New York. Everybody loves New um, York. Sure, it's New York, right? <laughs> <Not> exactly. I mean, Mark loves love LA. New York. Yeah. So I think the Dicks are a great fit for him. Because um, he's kind of an upgrade over Alfred Payton um, and Derrick Rose, right? He's a better version of the a much, a little better yeah, version of those kind I'd of players. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Although they love D Rose down there, so who knows? But so that's yeah. A good that's fit. This
2: guy right there. That's his. That's his man. That's his right hand man. So yeah, I don't think so, it's going to be hard for him to let let go
1: of D Rose. He loves him some D Rose. That's what... yeah. I mean, I just read about this on the Athletic. I think McCallum's a good fit in Boston. Um, I'm sure fans are probably a little fatigued with uh, the point guard carousel that there's been over the last few years, and that Kembo and Kembo was the first one who actually like played below his talent level um, when he was actually back out there. But so uh, McCollum is kind of similar to Kemba Walker in a lot of ways, I think. Um, Definitely a little bit different, but the way that they the spots of the court that they use when they're you know at least when Kembo's at his best. Um, the way they try to navigate the, the paint, um, I think that they have a lot of similarities. And Kemba Walker, when he was healthy, the team was really good around him. It. It, it, was, it was not an issue of Kemba Walker offensively doesn't fit with his team. It was just a matter of Kemba Walker was not hitting his pull-up shots, couldn't get to his mid-range game this year that much. It was just about that stuff. Um, and McCollum can still do all that. Now, one big concern is his senior year in college, he broke his left foot. Then a few months later, I think about nine months later, in training camp, he broke it again. That was fine. Had a great yeah. career. Last year, broke it again. Came back, and he was – Oh, lord! So I, think, I think he had played about 13 games at the beginning of the year. He averaging like 26 a game. He was playing his best basketball. He was at his peak for sure. He was in his prime, at his peak. Gets hurt, comes back, not scoring at the mm-hmm. same level. In the playoffs, shooting like nine for 21 every single night, nine for 23 every single night, scoring 20 points, five dimes. Good numbers, but not good enough when you're this, you know, not only are you the second best player on your team, you're on a team where the offense is completely concentrated between you know him and Dane. Like they, they do most of the offensive work. And then I guess Norm Powell too. So I, um, I, I would be scared, right? Because the Celtics just got burned again by another max point guard, not being healthy. And I think that is the biggest hurdle to training from a column. I don't think it's even his contract. I don't think it's that you probably think about Marcus Smart, but you honestly probably wouldn't have to give up much more than Marcus Smart. Maybe they're willing to trade Smart's defense for McCollum's offense. Um, I, I can definitely see that being worth it. I think it's really just about the ends. Uh, that that's the main I think reason not to do the deal. I'm sorry, nothing a foot, foot. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. Look, no, no, we got, we got. You. No, I appreciate the answer to that question, but I don't know because it's like he played a lot of, you know two guard and you know a lot of off ball and stuff as opposed to playing you know on the ball and running the point and running and initiating the offense I was mostly Dane Lillard so I don't know how good he'd really be at you know actually being a full-time point guard and you know and, and running the point and uh you know initiating the offense and pretty much uh you know being a kind of a floor general on the floor so that's a question that you know the concern that I would have about that as well, since he hasn't done it that much, you know, to this point of his career. But I mean, I would certainly take that chance if, uh, you know, if, 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 if you know, the Celtics are willing to make that trade, I wouldn't mind seeing that. I think he can definitely, you know, make this team better. It would be an upgrade at that uh, position since they do need an upgrade as of right now, uh, particularly a point guard. You know, after shipping Kimba Walker to OKC. Yeah, he. Um, I mean, he, he's
1: played a lot of point as the second unit point guard when Dame's sitting. Although Dame doesn't sit that much. So I, I've seen enough right, that I think right. I'm pretty comfortable it. with him doing it. And that's assuming Tatum and Brown are going to take a lot of the playmaking responsibility off. So I think that's a big thing with this team is, I mean, maybe we'll see if they if they bring out a really, really top-tier playmaking point guard and we see that they play a lot better with him. Maybe that that's fine. But I think this team needs le- more so a really good score that's a solid passer that can get the ball in flow to Tatum and Brown rather than someone who's completely orchestrating the offense. And frankly, not a lot of point guards out there anymore that are really real quarterbacks. It's not really done as much. I think it's really done from the wing position a lot more. I mean, there's there's, there's Chris Paul for sure. You know, there's a few other guys like that, but like the point guard position is almost more of a scoring position than it's a playmaking position in a lot of ways nowadays. So that means uh, Kyle Lowry. Is that somebody? Lowry's somebody for sure. I think the two concerns are that one, you'd have to sign, what is it, like 34 at this point? 35. 35. 35, yeah. So Kyle Lowry wants a bag at 35 for several years. Oh, no, no, no. You can't get it. Hey, nah, we ain't doing that. Yeah, you you can't do that. Like, I mean, I love Kyle Lowry. He's one of my favorite players of this era, but you you just, the team is, you don't know that the team is at that point. Maybe they do. Maybe they think the team is just Kyle Lowry away. Um, but the problem is that they can't sign them. They don't have cap space. They don't have – they can't do a sign-and-trade. Right, they don't have right. room in that trade exception. So I don't see any way they can get Kyle Lowry unless Kyle Lowry decides he wants to sign for the mid-level, which we know he doesn't. We know he wants that back. Wow. So I don't, I don't exactly. see any way they can get Lowry. And I don't know, I don't know if they can even do a sign-and-trade for Lowry, um, even if they wanted to pile together. Maybe, maybe they could and still keep Evan Fournier and somehow stay under the hard cap. But you know, when you do a sign and trade, you get that hard cap, which is like, I want to say 6 million dollars above the tax level. So you can't go above that when you do a sign and trade. So it's pretty hard to make to you know, the pull that to get Kyle Lowry in here and still pull that off.
2: What do you think about Alonzo Ball? Someone like an Alonzo Ball, you think, you know, he can make
1: Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown better and be a good fit for this team? so i have nah. to go in a minute but same thing you can't get him sign and trade rules so lonzo's going to get he's a, really, a free agent so he's a restricted he's a restricted free agent restricted. so it's just that's that's what a sign and trade would be is you uh, you can't sign ah, him because you I don't have the it. cap space and you can't sign a oh, trade okay, for him and okay. stay under the that you can't stay under the tax uh, the, or the hard cap most likely because he's going to probably get a lot of money Probably going to get at least eighteen million, I would imagine. Actually, he is going to get it back, definitely. Yeah, but maybe, maybe if they let Fournier, I just I have to double check after the Walker trade. But maybe if they let Fournier go, which you would do, I assume, if you're signing Alonzo Ball. There's too too similar in their roles. Maybe you can pull it off. And I would, I really like Lonzo Ball's game now. Now that he's kind of figured his shot out a little bit. He's such Ooh. a good defender. He's such a good hustle player, smart passer. He would be a really good player next to those guys.
3: I have one last question. Are you are you a soccer fan, Jared?
1: I am. I, uh, are I you have, watching the uh,
3: Euros right, uh, right now? Or were you watching the Euros uh, during the weekend
1: and today? So please don't spoil what happened in extra time between oh, France. Oh, my God. Because uh, I'm, I'm about to go watch that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <I'm on, laughs>
3: Awesome, awesome.
1: Are you rooting for anybody on the other Euros? Uh no, I mean I am American. Um I love I love I love the French team going into World Cup last time, but now that they won it, I can't root for the team that's the favorite anymore. So yeah. I guess Denmark is a team you have to root for right now after what happened to Ericsson, right? Like it's sure, such an amazing sure. story. So sure. I guess I would love to see Denmark win it.
0: Nice. Awesome. Um, one last question for me, you know, uh, you, Jared, you're doing a lot of things, you know, in the sporting industry. And as a podcast, we're definitely trying to do things like, you know, kind of trying to make our way. What What is an advice you have for, you know, guys like us who's trying to create a platform? Oh, that's
1: a great question. Um, I mean, I think the, the first thing is just trying to be as unique as possible that, There's so many shows out there nowadays. There's so much content out there nowadays that if you're trying to follow the model that, you know, works and you're too focused on that, that you lose your sense of individuality, that's going to kill your chances of being successful. I mean, you need to be, you need to do something that's different to separate yourselves when I can't even like find a new podcast half the time because it's too overwhelming how many podcasts there are. So yeah, I think it's, it's really all about, I mean, there's nothing better than like a few people that get along and have really fun banter and have great energy off of each other. So don't worry about taking turns and not overlapping. like, like argue with each other, like go, go at each other, have fun with it, be crazy with it. That's what, <laughs> like, that's what matters most. But also it's like, try to come up with a really unique topic and try to, try to approach. If you want to talk about a main storyline, if you, I would probably just like go around see what other people have been saying, what other pods have been talking about. And then try to figure out a way to do it completely differently than what they were doing, or focus on it from a completely different lens than what they were doing. Because um, you know, a lot of people they'll try to do the opposite of that. They'll try to do what everyone else is doing, but maybe they'll try to have some sort of a crazy incendiary take or stuff like that. And then people get bored of that. Like, it's, it's very obvious when you're doing stuff like that. I think it's all about just trying to find the most unique perspective today. gotcha. But but, nice.
0: So we're going to name the podcast today. Kemba Walker turned house into a nightclub during COVID. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that, is. <That's> a, <laughs> that is a unique angle. I don't know if it's true. Oh. It's a angle. Barry, <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, do you
2: have a last question for Jared? I didn't have one question. I just wanted to... No, what do you think happened at the end of Danny time time as a subject? Like what went wrong, you know, with the, you know, with, with the team and you know, and, and with Danny and why they, you know, ended up having to, well, part ways and and, and pretty much go in a different direction.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've heard every single uh, concept speculated about whether Ainge was pushed out, whether he wanted to retire, what it, you know, who knows. Um, so. I, you know, I don't really know what the truth is. I've heard so many different stories at this point from people. I've read so many stories that have been published. It's, you know, it's impossible to know. I, all I know is um, it didn't seem like everybody was on the same page in the same way that they were in the past for sure. And I think the Kyrie situation where like, Kyrie left them and they had to kind of panic to figure out what to do on the fly and that didn't work out even though I thought the Kemba Walker signing was a great signing at the time because uh, I mean he was he he was coming off of an incredible year and several great years and I didn't I, I mean I didn't I I didn't have an MRI of his knee, so I had no reason to expect his knee was going to fall apart on him. I think Kemba Walker was exactly the player that they hoped he would be when he was healthy. And could, and I think he continued to try to be the best player that he could be and, and the best person in the locker room that he could be after the case. You know, I know I put out a report about a lot of the issues that he and Brad Stevens were having stuff like that. But I think at the end of the day He was universally beloved by his teammates. I think everybody on the coaching staff respected him. I think he and Brad liked each other and and admired and respected each other, even if they weren't, from everything I heard, working together as well as they were before and as well as you would want to be with one of your best players. So, you know, I think that's just, I think that was mostly just Mm -hmm. the unfortunate circumstances that they were in. And so, you know, maybe a lot of the stuff that happened with Ainge was probably not completely under his control, but I know that when he had those comments in that radio interview about how he hadn't had anyone come to him about racism around the team that pissed off a lot of people. Cause it was just like, so insanely, obviously wrong. Yeah, that was crazy. Um, like nobody yeah, believed it that. Cause like, I've had that. Go. I've had people talk to me about that stuff all the time. I've had conversations in the locker room about this stuff. Marcus Smart wrote an article about it and the players should be like, come on. It's well
0: documented.
1: Yeah. It's well documented. It's it's something that anybody in Boston should know. And if you don't know that and you live in Boston, then you gotta, you gotta kind of open your ears a little bit more and you gotta talk to people a little bit more that are different than you and try to learn their perspectives. Cause that's last year and a Mm -hmm. half when, you know, black lives matter has taken off. And even before that, I was was constantly having those conversations. I'm a white guy from Boston. It's important for me i want to be a productive member of my community i gotta to talk to other people that are different from me in the community to understand why they're having unity and why it needs to get better so i can be a part of that positive so or even just to help communicate to the world what you change and or what they're trying to change you know so um you know i, I mean i think this tell organization cares about that stuff for sure and i think brad stevens has been pretty adamant about supporting the players and everything that they've done. He's been pretty phenomenal about that kind of stuff. And they've done a lot of stuff uh, for sure. with The players, the team, all that kind of stuff. So it's not like the, the team mm-hmm. doesn't care or take it seriously. But um, I know that something I've heard from a lot of people is that the, lo- the, uh, the front office needs more diversity. And it seems like from everything I'm hearing, that's something that they're going to try to work on. And there's going to be some changes to the front office to bring in more diverse voices at the higher levels because they haven't had any in a long time absolutely you know wow, that's a celtics, great point jared
0: yeah the celtics seem to be at the forefront of these things you know when when it comes to the changes um around the nba anyway oh uh, well jared well, not
1: according to jay williams uh, <laughs> oh my god that was, so, that was, that was, was funny so, about that tweet uh, i look back and the celtics so bill russell was black coach in seven right yeah they've had a black coach mm-hmm. every decade since. Uh-huh so that's right not only was not only is he not the first exactly. black, coach, had a black coach every single decade so it's, it's not, yeah this organization has ever shied away from uh from putting a, a minority in a position of power on the coaching staff yeah. but they haven't had any i can't remember, i can't think of anybody in the front office i'm sure there's been somebody at some point but um you know part of that is that they just haven't had a lot of front office over honestly um right. but you know it's something that they're i think stevens is that's working true. on now and They're going to try to make progress on that. That's the way to go.
2: That's good. That's what's up. That's what I like to hear.
0: Yes, sir. Again, thank you so much, Jared, for coming on Pro Fans Sports Podcast and giving us your thoughts on the Celtics, man. Keep doing what you're doing. I'm going to keep reading the work. Uh, It's all really great stuff, and uh, we definitely look up to you. Again, thanks again for coming through, man.
1: Man, that's crazy to hear. I really appreciate you guys. Thank you for saying that.
2: Thank you for coming on. Absolutely, exactly. Thanks for coming on, man. We appreciate your time and you are coming on uh, this podcast with us and talking us subjects and NBA. So it's good to see you again, and you know, and, uh, and and good to have you here. We we appreciate
1: you, Barry. I'll see you back at the garden someday soon, buddy.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm gonna try to get back there next year. Oh, hopefully, bye. The start of next season, I'll hopefully be back there, either working there or as a fan. Uh So, you, you know, I'm, I'm going to try to get in there soon. So hopefully the next time I get back there, you know, I get to see you and, you know, and, and run into you. That'd be pretty awesome. So I'm um, looking forward awesome. to that.
1: All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Take care.
2: And enjoy your time in L.A. Have fun uh, in I LA. will. I will. See you guys. <laughs> cool. Nice. Good interview, guys. Awesome. That good stuff. very good.